Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Wonder of wonders. For once on a Friday morning, we're like waking up. We're showing up here at Fantasy Sports Daily, and we kind of feel good about Thursday night football. Good to have you with us on a Friday. Kyle Elfrink, Ray Flowers. Hanging out with you. FSD is live and in effect. Getting you set for the upcoming weekend of the NFL, as well as college football and all other things taking place in the sports hemisphere. Uh, Ray, we don't get to complain today, do we, about Thursday night football? That that was that was a good game, Seattle and Dallas, last night. It was. It was interesting. It was fascinating. It's everywhere. You know, first game ever in NFL history to have 75 points and no punts and so yeah, it was it was a whiz banger, as the kids say. We don't normally get that on a Thursday. Whiz banger, huh? Whiz I thought banger. the kids in like the fifties were saying whiz banger, <laughs> but you're telling me it's it's back in 2023. The oh, whiz banger. I say so, sure, yeah, yeah, okay. Pretty pretty soon the uh, you know groovy. It's groovy coming back. It's groovy, man. Just say groovy, dude. Uh, hope everybody's doing well on this Friday. I guess if you had uh, Dak Prescott, CD Lamb, DK Metcalf, you're doing pretty good. Uh, we will recap all that went down on Thursday. Final score in that one, Dallas 41 and Seattle 35. So we got a load of points in that game. Dallas was favored by eight and a half, remember? So uh, they got more than they could uh, ask for from Seattle. And Seattle playing well, but they are certainly on the outside looking in. Um, as we go into the latter stretches of the season. So a lot on Thursday night football. Additionally, we'll get you set for the weekend. Armando Marsal is going to drop in. Been a while since we've said hello to Armando. We'll get you set with some of his thoughts coming up for week 13 of the year. Uh, let's see injuries. Man, they're everywhere. Uh, wide receivers are limping around. We got some tight ends limping around. Ray and I will give you the latest there. Aaron Rodgers is still limping around. Um, also, we will take a look at uh, some of the DFS either-ors that you may be dealing with going into the weekend. Of course, we've got loads of write-ups over at FantasyGuru.com that delve into each position, cheat sheets, all that stuff. More to come on Saturday and Sunday. But Ray and I will give you some of our thoughts on maybe those difficult decisions. And then at the tail end of things on FSD, we will uh, take a look at the uh, big college football weekend. Um, it is championship weekend. Uh, tonight's a biggie. Oregon taking on Washington. Um, if you are into the DFS side of all things college football, uh, should be a fun one this evening. And don't forget, there's a second game tonight. Don't forget Liberty in New Mexico State. It's part of the slate. You might want to know something about that game. And then, of course, tomorrow we have all the uh, exciting college football action, uh, Big Ten Championship, SEC, Big 12, ACC, all coming your way. So uh, we'll take a quick look at that. Maybe some baseball, all things uh, really on the table here. As always, we invite you to give us a chat. Any thoughts that you've got, uh, we will take them. We will do our best to answer them. Had a lot of good interaction over the past few days. So again, uh, welcome all those questions and we will do our best to get you set. And as always, Ray, we do our best to uh, let people know that there are ways to get over to fantasyguru.com and to get over there at a discount. FSD20 is the way to do it. And Ray, they can jump right in and gobble up all your thoughts. You've got the huge article that is out, game day article looking at week 13. That and everything else over at Fantasy Guru is uh, on the cheap. Is that what the kids say? On the cheap here on a Friday? Golly gee, Kyle, they do. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they do. And besides, you can you can watch obviously the show live on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/AdElitePlusNetwork. You can find it on Spotify, mm -hmm. Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening wherever you're listening. 
So there's those free avenues for this show. But yeah, for, for the majority of what we have at fantasyguru.com, if you really want to dive in, you want to get all that advice, live streams, articles, Discord 24-7 where you can ask questions, uh, you want to go to fantasyguru.com and use that promo code FSD20. That gives you 20% off any of the products. So if you want to do soccer, NASCAR, basketball, NHL, football, baseball, you can get save 20% on all those. And right now we do have a special on the rest of the season football package. That includes seasonal and DFS. So maybe your seasonal team's about ready to cash out. It's not going to make it in the fantasy playoffs, but you still want to be involved. You get the seasonal stuff and the DFS stuff through the regular season and through the playoffs, all the way through the Super Bowl for $99.99. That's the all-in NFL package, and use that promo code FSD20. Probably the access uh, to the live streams as well. I know Jeff yeah, Mann is, mm-hmm. is one man's opinion. I think that's Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Sunday morning activity, college mm-hmm. football. We do a live stream there. So uh, access is available with that football package. So do indeed check it out. Okay, let's uh, jump into the festivities. And, you know, Ray, I mentioned uh, big Thursdays. Like if you've got Prescott, heck, even Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, C.D. Lamb, all these guys kind of went off on Thursday night. Uh, and DK Metcalf is probably the one that's most interesting to me. Um, three touchdowns, huge. What was it? 134 yards, six catches. That is his first multi-touchdown effort of the season. That is his first game over a hundred yards since way back in week three. I don't want to say it's been a bad year for Metcalf. It's been a quiet year. You know, you hadn't seen those explosive efforts last night though, was a true explosion. What, what caught me, or at least made me confused is you were telling me this morning that yesterday, you had to sit there and convince people that DK Metcalf was still worth a start against the Cowboys. He is a guy for me. I don't care about matchups. I don't care about numbers. If he's on the field, he's in the lineup, but I guess people waver. Hopefully they they had him in their lineup last night or else they are screaming to the heavens this morning. Yeah, I think, and I said to you and I'm, maybe exaggerating, maybe not uh, over in discord at fantasyguru.com. I was answering questions all day on Thursday. Like I normally do. And I, I said to you, I think I had 50 questions about DK Metcalf. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. And I, like I said to you, I think I told 49 people to play him. I mean, it was like, you know, there, there, there are scenarios where people are blessed with everything working out perfectly and they've got the greatest team of all time. And I look at it, I'm like, how the hell did that happen? There are teams like that. But for the majority of people, I think that you're right. There are certain players that like on my teams, and again, I'm, a, I'm in a lot of deeper leagues, but in my teams, I, I have DK Metcalf in multiple spots. Has he lived up to expectations? Hell no. Have I ever taken him out of the lineup? No. Have I ever considered taking him out of the lineup? Absolutely not. He is one of those guys that that should be in your lineup regardless. And I think this, you know, I said it to you too before the show began that, you know, it's one thing to be worried about the defense and the matchup and all that. But as I said to you, he's still getting eight or nine targets. Like it's no matter what happens, he's still getting eight or nine targets, if not more. You know, JSN's working his way into the offense, but, you know, he's more of a, a slashing type of player. Lockett's beat up, right? Uh, they don't have a tight end they can turn to. So, yeah, I I really struggled to see why so many people, other than the matchup, Kyle, why so many people were just running away. And I, I think that, you know, I don't mean to ramble here, but the idea of sitting a guy against a good defense and playing a guy against a bad defense, in theory, that, okay, that makes sense. But it's much more involved than that. And I think a lot of people see Dallas and they get freaked out. And, you know, J.J. Zacharyson tweeted this out, and I just wanted to share it with everyone. The Dallas defense has played six matchups where their opponent ranked as a top 10 favorable matchup by adjusted fantasy points allowed. Okay. In those 10 matchups where the offense was supposed to be okay, they averaged 21 points a game. It's not bad, right? 
Mm-hmm. In the in the games where they ranked in the bottom ten, okay, they've allowed an average of three fantasy points. I mean, three points a game to those teams. So this goes to what we have said all along, and what Jeff Manza said, what you and I have talked about. Dallas has destroyed teams they should have, yeah. and against teams that are posing a problem, it's not easy. And their defense is living on the edge. There's a lot of big plays, but they also don't always dominate their opponent when the opponent has something to push back with. Well, to further the point, I don't think Ray nor I, nor probably anybody at Fantasy Guru would have confidently said, yeah, Seattle's going to score 35 Absolutely on not. Thursday night. Or, or even Seattle's going to score 30. It's not as if we have some great insight into Seattle or their offense is better than people realize. It's not that at all. What you have to look at is you don't say, oh, Seattle's going to get beat and they're a nine point dog. I can't play anybody from their offense that the, the win loss thing, nobody should care about. You shouldn't teams can still succeed and players can still succeed despite losing. Um, I was pretty anti Charbonnet. I wasn't in on Zach Charbonnet, although I had no problem with Metcalf. If you had to go Geno Smith, I didn't think it was terrible. The reason I was out on Charbonnet I, I didn't necessarily like his matchup, and I didn't think there'd be a lot of work for him. Uh, was I right? Half and half. I mean, anybody who played Charbonnet, they're probably happy they got a touchdown. But I look at it and say, he didn't do much with all of his touches. I think 19 carries for 60 yards. He had a big play at the end, a catch and run that really helped the bottom line. But I still feel confident in the way I looked at Charbonnet and looked at this game. The guy had 20 touches, and for the most part, 19 of the 20 touches went for 60 yards. He didn't do much, but he got the touchdown. He got the catch. So people are happy if they went Charbonnet. To me, Charbonnet's not in the class of DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf's been a stud now for a number of years. You play him. Ray mentions those matchups for the Dallas Cowboys. It's, it's really wild. Who do they shut down? Well, they shut down the Giants twice. They shut down the Jets. They shut down the Arizona Cardinals. They shut down the New York Giants again, Carolina, Washington. These are not teams that have even average offenses, I would say. Seattle's an average offense, maybe a little below average. You play these guys. Um, quantity matters. Your role in an offense matters. Uh, the wins and losses or what's going to happen in the game, it really doesn't matter. Um, it can matter to how the game's going to play, but DK Metcalf, the only way I'm benching him, Ray, is I've got to have like six weeks of bad efforts, and I got to have DK Metcalf like limping into the game with a bad hamstring. <laughs> then maybe we get none of that was occurring here with DK Metcalf. He's got to be on the field and he's got to be in your lineup. And, and the same goes for a lot of receivers. Like another guy, Ray, is Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. It, Debo Samuel's had kind of a similar year to Metcalf, although he's missed games. Uh, he was drafted as like a high end wide receiver, two, low end one. It hasn't worked. Do I ever, me personally, I've got him in two leagues. I, I never bench him. I have to. Last week we were sitting here. I think it was leading into Thanksgiving. And we were saying, oh, man, just great value in, in DFS. He, he great, and, and he paid off Thursday night. Doesn't mean he's back. Doesn't mean he's due for a big run. But guys like this, who we've seen it before, um, who we know what they can do with just a, a sliver of an opening, they're in your lineup, like Debo Samuel or any other guy. If, if you've done it before and you're healthy, you're in my lineup, Ray. And it, it takes a lot of the guesswork and maybe a lot of the anger and a lot of the, the anguish and anxiety out of fantasy football. If you realize, and I say this all the time, 75 to 80% of your lineup should be the same every single week. There should be maybe one or two changes, barring a huge amount of buys, barring a huge amount of injuries. Your lineup should be your lineup. And, and maybe you're changing one thing a week as a flex play based off a matchup. 
Yeah, the previous six games to last night, and this is, I assume it's two things like we talked about. One, it's Dallas. And again, I think that's a little overblown, but one was the Dallas defense. And two, someone could look at the last six games before last night with Metcalf and say, he's averaging four catches for 68 yards. He's got one touchdown. Mm -hmm. Okay, and those are accurate numbers. What I would say in opposition to that is in five of the six games, he has seen at least nine targets, which is elite level target. And eventually, when you're 6'4", 240, eventually, when you can out-jump guys, out-muscle guys, out-run guys, when you eventually get nine, eventually it's going to happen, no matter who the opponent, sometimes it's going to happen. It's nine targets. We're not talking Mm -hmm. Khalil Shakir getting four targets here, right? We're talking nine targets a week. We're talking, he had two games in that in that stretch of six where he had 14 and 12. These are massive numbers. And when you talk about his role in the offense, when you talk about his role with the other receivers, we mentioned this earlier, the two other JSN Lockett aren't big physical guys. They don't have a tight end they can turn to. They dump the ball up to the running back, but it's not a huge part of their game. DK Metcalf is getting the targets. He eventually will produce. And history, role in the offense, physical skills, all these kind of things. Again, say to me the same thing they say to you. Never take them out of your lineup. You just don't. Yeah. And it's it's been 10 points for a month, Ray and Kyle. Yeah, it has. What happened last night if you didn't play him? You lost 37. Yeah. So that'd be, what, 80 points in the last five weeks. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little backloaded. Now, now somebody may be sitting there, Ray, and say, okay, wow, DK Metcalf, you guys look so – you're so smart. And, again, 100% of the leagues, I'm starting on Tyler Lockett. A Tyler Lockett owner, Ray, may be sitting here and saying, wow, look how quiet Tyler Lockett's been. Um, And here's what I'd say in 85% of leagues where I own Tyler Lockett, I'm still playing them as long as I'm starting three receivers. Now, what, what what is the difference? The 15% who aren't the 15% who aren't ended up with a stud receiver as their number four guy. You know, they have another option. They can in effect fade Tyler Lockett because they have better options, but Tyler Lockett, he's not to the level of DK Metcalf. He's not an A level receiver, but he's a B to B plus level receiver. And he's been quiet. I mean, his numbers are bad. And I sure next week, Ray, fast forward a week, there's going to be a lot of Tyler Lockett. Can I play this guy? Can I? If you have legitimately better options, sure, bench him. But I still think Tyler Lockett, Ray, week in, week out, is a top 40 receiver, Yeah, which for well, many people makes him a, a, one of your top three receivers on your roster. Yeah, he, we had him listed at uh, 31 uh, in the rankings this week at fantasyguru.com, to your point. Uh, his last six games, if we include last night, he's averaging 13 PPR points a game, which is not great, but it totally puts him right in this realm, right, in mm-hmm. terms of an average. He is not to the level of DK Metcalf, I agree with you. What I have really started to see, and I started asking this question the last couple of days or this week, I guess, is there are a lot of people, and I mean a lot. I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot. I'd run a poll on Twitter if I could, but they don't allow you to do that anymore. Um <laughs> Really? No polls? Anymore? Only if you pay. And I'm not paying to be verified after they turned me down 12 times over the years. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of people that play two wide receivers. A mm. lot. And I, I, I'm 50%, at least a third. I'm going to say at least a third of people are in leagues with two wide receivers. And because of that, a guy like Tyler Lockett doesn't make the grade. For you and me, when we start three wide receivers, we got a flex. Tyler Lockett. I mean, you might take him out a couple times a year, but he's basically playing every week. That's just how it is. Yeah. And when you start looking, I mean, Puka Nakua, okay, he's been he's been added. He's been out of nowhere. Nico Collins, uh, I don't know, Rasheed Rice, Josh Downs. Like, there's other – Jaden Reed. Like, there's a lot of wide receivers that have popped to the point where you consider going with them over Lockett. Mm-hmm. I get it. But 
I just I think this question really comes down to a lot of people just being in two wide receiver leagues. I asked a bunch of people in Discord yesterday, and you know, there there I mean, I had people that had three receivers that are in the top ten and they can only play two. And I'm like, well, then who? Then we'll put one at your running back position. And they're like, well, the problem with that is I've got Rashad White, Travis Etienne, and Austin Eckler, and it's like, oh, geez. So that's that's the issue that, I think we're running into. You and I have been doing this a long time, and that's been with us forever. Is you know, now we have all this information. We have daily shows. We have networks. We have uh, entire webs. Like, like there is so much fantasy knowledge to be had and consume, and guys that you trust, guys you don't trust. But it's kind of useless to people that are in leagues that are small. Totally and useless. like what you're saying, two wide receiver leagues. That's I don't care how many teams. Like some people come back. Oh, there's 16 teams in my league. Mm-hmm. Who cares? I'm in a 16-teamer with three wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm trying to think. I don't – I bet it's been 30 years, if not longer, since I've been in a two-receiver league. So I, I always tell people this, and, you know, it's too late now. Mm-hmm. But it's something to think about in the, the offseason. If you're in these leagues, either get out of them or change it because you're not rewarding yourself with the knowledge from Ray or Fantasy Guru or anybody else. You know, it's, it's just like – and, you know, my commissioner won't change the setup. You see the uh, statement there. Tell him you're out then. <laughs> you know? Or else don't care about the league because, it, Ray, the frustration is, you know, Broth NGG is, is probably doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't reward him. Probably got the great team, but every week it's tic-tac-toe. Well, you know, if you got to bench good players yeah. just because of these limited roster sizes. Well, look at that last part. And I bet this is exactly what the commissioner said. It's more challenging and competitive. It's more challenging and competitive because everyone's a pro bowler. So <laughs> anyone that's not paying a lick of attention has still got an opportunity to play good players. You get no benefit from listening to this show. Well, and, and challenging to me is not saying I'm limited. That The challenge is limiting? The challenge no, is do you the, play the Jake Bobo? To me, a challenge is I have a lot of options. I have more options, not I'm limited. That's not challenging. That's artificial. Yeah. Challenging, do you you play Johan Dotson or Rondell Moore? Or do you play Elijah Moore? Or do you play Tutu Atwell? That's challenging. Saying I'm going to, which are the, which of my three top 18 receivers can I only play two? That's not challenging. That's, and it's, it's counterintuitive for some people, but I'm a hundred percent. And I've said this for years and you're saying the same thing. Shallower leagues aren't challenging. They're not fun. And they limit people that know what they're doing mm-hmm. because you don't have the advantage to take, take a great player in the ninth round or pick that guy up off the waiver wire a week earlier than everyone else. You're just stuck in the morass of what everyone else is doing. The smaller your lineups are, the more easy it is for people that don't really know what they're doing to compete with you, the listener, the person here who does care. Yeah, challenging is more teams, more more roster spots. That's challenging, going deep. Um, when everybody's like Ray said, playing with all pros, that's not challenging. That's everybody's guessing. There's no challenge in guessing, is there? There's no challenge. So I don't know. And, and, and I guess people just see it the other way. It's it's what you want to put into it. To me, that's not fun. To Ray, it's not fun. Maybe to other people, it is fun. And we can't really change what is fun and what is not. You either know it or you don't. So, but but to me, it's always been confusing. Um, you know, on the other side, CD Lamb monster. I, I guess people start CD Lamb every week. I think I didn't get a CD Lamb question. Um, okay, you didn't get a CD Lamb. <laughs> the Dak Prescott and Geno Smith at this point, Ray Dak is so damn hot that you have to play him every week. Well, I mean, it's kind of crazy the run he's on. Mm-hmm. Now he was drafted as a QB two in a lot of setups, so people may be running into issues. Um, and if that's the case, that's understandable. 
You know, that, let me that ask is, you one there, Kyle. Okay. Because I had this question twice yesterday. Patrick Mahomes or DK Metcalf? Or, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott? Oh, Patrick Mahomes. I'm starting him every week. That's what I said, too. But, you know, you keep looking at Prescott going for 303 every week, yeah. right? It's tough. Yeah. And and I, I this is what I'd say. And, and again, this goes back to August. If you're drafting Patrick Mahomes, you're making a statement, okay? That your statement is this guy is so damn good that I got to get him in the first or second round. He's so much better than the rest of the field. I hope that the Patrick Mahomes owner who you were talking with yesterday, Ray, or other weeks has learned a lesson. Don't draft the dude at the top, right? Isn't that the lesson? If if, if you're saying, no, no, I got to have a stud quarterback. Well, then live it. Don't say it, live it. And if you're already on oh, season, you've screwed up your draft. You, you've blown it. And and I, I'm sorry to like say it that way, but if you're going to, to overextend yourself for a quarterback, if you want one of the top two or three guys, you're married to them. There is no question week in, week out. If they're healthy, you're married to them. So it's confusing to me that one would ever draft Patrick Mahomes and honestly – even have a viable backup. Seriously. I, I would have gone, if I'm drafting Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, I'm married to those guys. Ray, I'm probably not even drafting a QB2 because I'm having to load up on extra receivers and running backs instead of a second quarterback. So that is a draft screw up. That is not an in-season screw up. You shouldn't have drafted Dak Prescott, which I know what that, that sounds silly. That sounds dumb. Why wouldn't I because you have Patrick Mahomes, you led off by by kind of breaking out of the the norm. You went quarterback early. When you do that, it shifts your strategy the remainder of the draft. So the question's being asked in week thirteen. The question should have been asked in preseason week three. Why'd you do it? Yeah, I'm looking at NFFC ADP, and if you were going to take Mahomes and take a second quarterback, and by the way, I agree with Kyle. Unless you have like nine bench spots or something, I wouldn't have taken a second quarterback. If you're going to take a second quarterback, you should have taken Kyler Murray at 24th at the wide receiver, at the quarterback position at like pick 200 overall. You should have taken Brock Purdy at pick 180. You should have done something like that. You shouldn't have taken Dak Prescott at pick 100. Like it's just terrible. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen the name Hertz mentioned here by Michael, and he's not asking this question, but I've probably had the last two weeks 15 to 20 questions about do I sit Mahomes or Hertz? And it goes exactly back to what you're talking about. Number one, no. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, if you have another option, like legitimately, well, Ray, I've got Josh Allen or, you know, Ray, I got Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert. Like, what are you doing? And I, I really, I think looking at the way teams are put together, when people say, here's my roster, I can tell what happens a lot. And at least it's our people, right? It's our people here watching the show and over at fantasyguru.com. They're taking advantage of other people. And I don't know how this happens, but like, you can't have, you can't have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. You can't. Unless you took him in rounds three and four or two and three. And I don't think anyone mm -hmm. did that. I think they made a trade for Justin Herbert when he struggled. And they they offloaded some assets that weren't any good. And now they have a banging team. But the problem with that is, yeah, you've weakened your opponent. But you've just muddled the waters for you. If you have Mahomes, if you have Hurts, you have Josh Allen, at least those three, at least, if not more guys. Yeah. No. All the time. we have. I've had Josh Allen. Do I start? Josh Allen's the number one player in fantasy football. And I had like 12 questions that week whether we should start Josh Allen because they were talking on ESPN about how he sucks. It's like, <laughs> so people are their own worst enemies sometimes. Simplify things. I think a lot of times yeah. that ends up with a better result.
And hey, I know a Geno Smith owner. I wasn't. I wouldn't have told you to start Geno Smith last night. I had to had start him because I had to pick him up because I have Josh Allen. Yeah, he had a yeah. good game. Mm-hmm. Kudos to Geno Smith. It's been a pretty average season. Um, usually, every quarterback has four or five games a year where where it's good. It's really good. And Geno Smith had that last night. And I know it's painful to sit there and say, "Oh my God, he's on my bench." Uh, but if you're you know rolling Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, you know that's kind of the choice you made. Geno Smith's a QB two. Even after last night, he's a QB two, so that that's where you stand right there. A um, couple of other pullaways here. We mentioned Charbonnet did leave late with a knee injury, so that's going to be something to follow. Of course, Kenneth Walker dealing with the oblique. Uh, DJ Dallas Ray, I guess, is the next guy up. Hopefully, we don't have to get there. Hopefully, Walker's back. Hopefully, the Charbonnet injury is not too bad. Uh, the Dallas backfield, it was not a blowout. So Ray, a lot of Tony Pollard. I mean, for anybody kind of wondering about that Dowdle Pollard situation, if it's a blowout, you'll see more of Dowdle. If it's not, you'll see what we saw last night. I think it was 23 to 6 on the touches between those two guys in the Cowboys' backfield. Yeah, and there was a hope in some circles that Dowdle's role would grow, and it's not. Uh, Tony Pollard, for better or worse, and it's worse statistically than it was last year without question, but for better or worse, he's getting the work. And that's their plan. They're going to give him 20 touches a week. Dowdle's just layered to basically pick up the scraps. He's, as you were talking about yourself for a team you're in, Kyle, with the league you're in, he's kind of a desperation flex option because you got no one else to go this week with six players on by. That's the role that Dowdle's filling moving forward. Okay, that is where we stand. Uh, one game down, many to go. Week 13 is now off. No games on Friday, no games on Saturday. Uh, we've got, I think, 10, actually 11 coming up on Sunday. Uh, and then the Monday nighter. Let's take a look at this week 13 back with us on Fantasy Sports Daily. Good to say hello to Armando Marsal, who is in sunny, shiny, warm Florida. Meanwhile, I'm dressed in like lumberjack gear <laughs> over the uh, country. Uh, Armando, good to see you, sir. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going well. Good to see both of you guys uh, watching your show. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, always great content. So happy to join you guys and happy to talk some football here. Uh, let, let's start with Thursday night. Uh, when, when you look at the season that Dak Prescott has put up, level of surprise. Because I, I think coming into the year, we'd kind of settled into uh, Dak's just a guy at quarterback for fantasy purposes. Um, Dallas is good. He'll have moments, but nothing where like we're whispering MVP. We're now hearing whispers of MVP. Level of surprise with how he's performed this year. Yeah, I'm very surprised. I, I agree with you. I thought he was, you know, just a guy coming into the season, someone that you can view as a top 15 quarterback playing at this level. I mean, he's playing incredible football right now. And, uh, you know, my big concern was when they lost their offensive coordinator this offseason, and we really didn't know what to expect, you know, and having Mike McCarthy calling the, the shots there, it's, it's scary, right? So uh, <laughs> for, for me, I, I am very surprised, but he is surrounded with a lot of weapons. You know, you have C.D. Lamb. They brought in Brandon Cook. Something that I do think that were they were missing last year was that receiver that can stretch the field. They had lost Amari Cooper. Ferguson is playing very well. Uh, Tony Pollard, you know, he hasn't played as good as many expected, but still a talented uh, supporting cast. So the fact that Prescott is, is posting these numbers, it, it is surprising, but he is a very talented quarterback with a great supporting cast here. So, I, I you know, is he going to be the MVP? I think he's playing like it right now, right? Well, a guy who hasn't played like the MVP and a team that hasn't got MVP production <laughs> from their quarterback position at any point this year, Armando, is the Browns. And DTR has got a concussion. He's the starter, quote-unquote, but it's not looking like he's going to play. We've heard that Joe Flacco has been elevated to the number two spot, so it looks like Joe Flacco is going to be the quarterback this week for the Browns. If that is the case, uh, 
I'm not going to ask you about Joe Flacco, who'll be quarterback 24 or whatever this week. <laughs> but what about Amari Cooper? Because, you know, I, I've made the case earlier this week and said, look, if Joe Flacco's out there, it's like eight, 10 targets for Amari Cooper, or probably 10 targets or bust. Like Joe Flacco's just going to throw him the football. Do you see it that way with Cooper? I think I think he's going to see plenty of targets, but I just don't know what he's going to be able to do with these targets. Right? I think they're going to be very short and immediate uh, routes. I think Elijah Moore benefits a lot from having Flacco under center here. I just stay away from the situation. I, I think we, we've seen what Cooper is without Deshaun Watson. It hasn't been all that great. He's had some moments, uh, but his ceiling is capped. His upside is capped. And this is one of those weeks where you're going to have to make a decision. Do you start Cooper or you start the, you know, uh, another wide receiver three or another wide receiver, you know, uh, low end wide receiver two. So for me, I'll be honest, I don't fully trust Cooper. I would be avoiding him if I could. Uh, and I view him as you're only starting him if you have no other options in that same tier. Uh, I view him at the bottom of his own tier. All right, Armando, we're going to talk to you about a team there in your uh, home state of Florida. Devon Achan, who I think last scored two fantasy points in week five uh, in a game. It's been a long time. Uh, he had that miraculous start, the injury. I don't know if we, what happened was a setback when he returned, but he only played a couple of snaps. They say he's going to be OK. It looks like he's going to play this week. What's your expectation there? Because it seems like there's a, a great divide. Some people say he's got to be in your lineup or you're the dumbest person on the planet, whereas other people say, look, he's been hurt, and you can't expect his level of production per touch to continue the way it was at the start of the season. I would be a little bit hesitant with him. Look, we know what he's capable of doing, but he was doing it at a high level with, what, 10 to 12 opportunities per, per game. It wasn't like he was getting 18, 19, 20 opportunities every week. So we're seeing high-level production. Uh, in a limited role, we're still seeing Raheem Mostert involved. Jeff Wilson was back last week. And now they're playing a Washington defense that really struggles against the pass. They're one of the worst pass defenses in football. We've seen that this passing game from Miami kind of be inconsistent. I think they're going to try to get right, right, as they make a, a, a stretch that, or the, the home field stretch here for this offense, for this uh, unit, a team that's fighting for, you know, for the top spot in the AFC. I expect them to really pass heavy here and not really run the ball as much against Washington because at the end of the day, they, they want to see, uh, you know, this offense succeed. They need to get Tua's confidence level back. I'm not saying he's not playing with confidence, but the last uh, three games, he's had two subpar performances. I really do think that they're going to attack Washington through the air. And and, and if, if they do beat this team by a lot, which I do think is going to be the case, even though they're on the road, are they really going to lean on HN here when he might not be 100%? We saw, you know, what happened last game. He came in. Uh, or, or, or the week before, I'm sorry, he came in and was injured right away. A team that you don't have to force this young man in. They're going to need him down the stretch. So why put him out there in a game that really you're not going to need his services to win? Yeah, people will always be entranced, though, by what he can do. So I bet people will will run the risk and roll the dice there and, and just stick him out there. And and I bring up A-Chan and kind of, you know, reverberate with him because there's two other running backs I wanted to ask about. Ray and I were going through like running back rankings uh, through the first what 12 weeks, Armando. We were doing that earlier in the week. And I think people would be really just surprised that in a PPR setup, Rashad White and Brian Robinson are like top seven for the season. Yet I feel like every week you have to convince people to start them. I, can you tell in, in PPR setups, are you comfortable telling people, hey, I don't care who you got, Rashad White and Brian Robinson, those guys are starters every week. Are, are they, because they're performing like it, but I feel there's a disconnect between what they've shown and what people think they're doing in a PPR league. 
I'm comfortable starting White every week because of his role in the offense, especially in the passing game. Someone that, even when he's not running the ball efficiently, will catch passes at the backfield. Robinson, I'm more hesitant to start on a weekly basis uh, because I think he's game script dependent. I know he was involved in the passing game, you know, for a couple of games, but Antonio Gibson was was hurt in some of these contests. So I don't expect Robinson to be that juggernaut pass catcher that, that we saw a couple of games. So uh, while I am more hesitant to uh, roster him every week and, and you know, recommend him to, as a starting uh, option every week, he has performed like that. And when you look at the running back uh, situation, there's been injuries, there's you know, a lot of committee situations. So it's not like in years past where we had, you know, five, seven, eight, nine guys where they're getting the bulk of the workload. We're seeing a lot of committees here in the NFL. So you're going to have to start guys like Robinson here. But Rashad White, I mean, every week, and this week specifically uh, against the Carolina Panthers, I view him as a top 15, top 12 uh, running back option. Ca Carolina cannot stop the run if their life dependent on it. So I think Rashad White is in a great position, a defense we've been targeting with opposing running backs, and I think we got to do so again this week. Let's continue the running back talk, Armando. Uh, there are two running backs that are on bad teams. I was going to say terrible. Let's just say it. They're terrible offenses. Patriots and the Jets. We've got Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall. To me, and I have Stevenson in the league, I don't ever take these guys out of my lineup. I just play them, but that's me. And I know a lot of the people that are listening, watching along with us, have questions every week about whether they play Stevenson or Hall because their offenses are so bad. What are your thoughts on those two guys this week? So it, it really comes down to what your options are, right? At the running back position, you, you have Stevenson who has 20-plus opportunities in the last two games. I know he has all season long but he's been involved in the passing game he plays for a, a bad offense but game script generally doesn't matter for him because of his role in the passing game so i i think that he's an rb2 every week regardless of matchup regardless of the situation with rb1 upside you know because of his role in this offense so i'm starting him like you are ray because we've talked about this is a very volatile position the running back position is volatile and i've always said Brees hall when healthy is an every week start. I know that the offense is it's brutal. I know Tim Boyle is just absolutely awful. I mean, I'm not sure why they're still starting him, but you got a running back that at any point in the game can turn one touch into six points from wherever he is on the field. He's explosive. He's dynamic. He's just an incredible talent. And because of that, you just have, you, you have to go with, with that player each and every week. Now, as a fantasy manager, you do have to be aware that the ceiling is capped because of the situation. The, the offense is not going to move the ball all that much. I think against the Dolphins, it, it wasn't until the fourth quarter that they moved, the, you know, that he had an opportunity on the other side of the field, if I'm not mistaken. It was just pretty bad. So you have to understand that the floor is low when it comes to Hall. But like we saw with Metcalf, there was a lot of uh, questions regarding DK Metcalf last night. You know, should we start players like that? You, you want to start even in bad matchups, even when they're struggling because you can see what we saw last night, a huge performance from a talented player just like like we saw from Metcalf uh, last night. So we all give the thumbs up to Hall and Stevenson and PPR setups, you know, Robinson White. Better than all of those guys this week, Armando, is Zach Moss a better play than all of those guys with no Jonathan Taylor? Uh, how how I think he's 4600 bucks uh, in terms of his pricing, so he'll be very, very popular in DFS, but – is he like a top 10, top eight choice in a PPR setup going into this week against Tennessee? It's so tough because you know he's going to get 20-plus opportunities, but this is a Titans defense that has just been very good against the run. They're second in rush DVOA. Uh, they, 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 they funnel to the pass, but Moss had his best game 
of the season against this Tennessee Titans defense. 165 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, just an incredible performance there. So can he get it done? Can he get the job done? Yes. Do I view him as a top 12 running back? Yes. Do I expect that kind of high level performance? No, I'm not expecting that kind of performance. I'm expecting 20 plus opportunities. Uh, 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 you know, I think he's going to get chances to score a touchdown. Uh, but this is a very tough matchup. And I think that you just have to understand that as a fantasy manager, it's not going to, you know, he's going to step in, he's going to get the majority of the workload, but that doesn't necessarily mean high end production for Moss. But given the workload, yes, we have to view him as a top 12 running back this upcoming weekend. When it comes to DFS, he's going to be chalk. In cash games, I think you need to eat that chalk. But even in tournaments, I mean, 4,600, very tough to pass up on, on a running back that's going to get, you know, I think a floor of 18 opportunities here. With the Bengals, I'm not going to ask you about the running back position. <laughs> please don't. I could. I could. Oh, Joe please please don't. Please don't. don't. <laughs> uh, T. Higgins thinks he's going to play this week through his hamstring injury. We'll see what that whether that happens or not. But talk to us about his outlook moving forward. And Jamar Chase, of course. Uh, you've got Jake Browning throwing passes at these guys. Now the offense is totally different. Uh, Chase is another one of these guys that's falling into that zone of a lot of people not wanting to start him because of concerns about the offense and the quarterback play. Uh, what are your thoughts about J Chase specifically this week? And would you start Higgins in any scenario if he was indeed active? Uh, so Chase, I'm still viewing him as an every week starter. I, I said this uh, on my podcast. I, I've said this. I said this on the live stream on Tuesday with, with Russell and, and Tyler. And I just view him as an every week starter. We, we saw that this with, with Garrett Wilson, where they were lost of the quarterback and it was a quarterback situation was a mess. Wilson still was an every week starter. The, the only thing we have to understand here is the ceiling is capped. You're not going to get that high end production on a consistent basis or as consistently as you were getting with Joe Burrow under center for, for Jamar Chase. But the volume is going to be there. The, the opportunities are going to be there. And he is just still one of the more talented receivers in the NFL, arguably, uh, you know, one of the best receivers in the league. So when you take all of that into consideration, he's an every week starter for me. Maybe you have to uh, drop him down from a top five, top six weekly starter to maybe a top 15 weekly starter, you know, and that's kind of the adjustment you need to make. As for T. Higgins coming off this injury and given the quarterback situation, I'm far more hesitant to start him this week. And I think it really depends on who your options are. If you have other viable options and good spots, I may be willing to go ahead and uh, bench T Higgins. This is the, the time where he's not the number one receiver on this offense. They're dealing with that quarterback situation there. That's not that great. So I'd be much more hesitant to start him this week, especially in a week where there's a lot of fantasy managers playing for a potential playoff spot. You don't want to take on that kind of risk. So it's really dependent on who your options are. And if you do have T Higgins and he's going to play, feel free discord. We're always there. I know you're in there all the time. Uh, Ray, I'm sure we'll be able to help you decipher through your options there. A uh, couple of quick hitters on the way out, Armando. Just quick thoughts. These are questions out of the chat room. How Javante Williams or Devin Achan PPR is, is kind of the situation there. I'm going to go with Javante Williams here. Uh, the, the opportunities have been there. He's had over 20 opportunities in three of his last four games. I don't think you're going to get 20 opportunities here for Achan. Uh, biggest dilemma. This is uh, Broth NGG. Biggest dilemma this week, Ridley or Cortland Sutton? He can only start one of those two. I like them both. I think both are very viable. I'm going to go with Ridley. He's heating up here. I like the matchup against Cincinnati. And, and this is, uh, you know, a, a Jaguars offense that's really looking better as of late. I think they're going to continue this trend moving forward. And then there was a question. It was sent to me, but we'll get your thoughts too. Uh, defensive bingo. And I will say this. <laughs> this is, uh, who is it? David. 
I, I will say this: all these teams, Bucks, Falcons, Jets, Rams, Chargers. I like all of them. They're all in like good spots, and that that's the beauty of defensive bingo. Is like every week you can find three or four defenses against these just awful QBs. Tampa's going up against Bryce Young. Falcons and Jets are meeting in the Meadowlands, so both those defenses in pretty good spots. Rams against Joe Flacco. Chargers against Bailey Zappi. Uh, what's your choice here, Armando? Um, I'll go with the Buccaneers here against Carolina. It's it's like you said, they're all viable options, but I'll go with Buccaneers here. I, I have the Bucks where I play defensive bingo. I've got them in, a, but the Jets are available nowhere. I, I'm surprised the Jets. Yeah. That that's tempting to me, right? Jets against Ritter. The problem is, and this is the difficulty. I I've, I have been begging Arthur Smith to just run, run, run. Screw the pass. Just be done with it. So if that were to happen, Ray, then it's really tough for the Jets to create points. If if if, if the Falcons are only going to throw the football twenty times, it's just tough to get those picks and those sacks. I I like the Jets a lot, but Tampa at least will get an opportunity to beat up on Bryce Young. I think. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a great call, Colin. I think as well on the other side, if I was going to play one of the two defenses in that game, I'd play the Falcons against the Jets because as Armando said earlier, yes. and Tim Boyle's terrible. So <laughs> and they're they're not gonna they're not gonna run the ball forty two times, right? So no. I'd play the Falcons in that game with the Jets if I had to choose one. Okay. Armando, awesome stuff, man. We appreciate the look at week 13. I know you've got a busy weekend. You mentioned the podcast, The Mind of Marsal is up. People can hunt that down. You'll be uh, posting some columns, probably hanging out in Discord throughout the weekend. A pleasure, my man. Enjoy the rest of your week. Yes, yes. Good luck to everyone this week. Thank you guys for having me on. Okay, awesome stuff. That is our friend Armando Marsal hanging